0: This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon.
1: Morning, church. Upstairs or downstairs? Thank you, Cindy. Or Carla. Somebody over there. Okay, today's reading is taken from Genesis chapter 23. You can follow along in your Bible or in your iPad or your phone or whichever device you prefer. Sarah's death and burial. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. And he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, Hear me, and entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns. It is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for for a burying place. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field. I give you the cave that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, My lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron. And Abraham weighed out for Ephraim the the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver according to the weight's current among the merchants. So the field of Ephraim and Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of his city." After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Pray with me, church. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house and worship again as freely as we do. Lord, I can't help but think of the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia this morning, I just pray for your blessing on them. I pray that you would be glorified in everything that is happening over there. pray that your will would be done. I pray for our sick and shut-ins here. I pray for Frank De Silva's neighbor who died in a fire in his apartment this weekend, Lord. I pray for the family and the friends. Lord, I pray for Michael, whose home is still convalescing with his injury. pray that you would um, get him back to church as soon as you can, Lord. Lord, I thank you. For our pastors i thank you for paul I, I pray that you would be with him this morning as he comes to expound on your word in jesus name we pray amen
0: thank you zach good morning everyone uh, great to have you here a, a special welcome to you perhaps if you're you're new around these parts so we've come to the end of sarah's life but let me give you a, a brief word about Sarah. Because a lot of what we read about Sarah, you know, when, she, when she's highlighted, a, a lot of it is low points. Low points in her life. Such as when she offered her maidservant, Hagar, the, the Egyptian, to... Her husband Abraham as another wife in order to get a child. That was a that was a low point. Or when she overheard uh, the 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 angels talking to Abraham and uh, you know indicating when Sarah would give birth to a son, and she she laughed. She laughed in disbelief, and and then afterwards, when confronted about it, she denied it. Oh, well, I didn't laugh. It was very clearly, you did laugh. all right. The, the, the Lord knows. And so, so, I mean, those are kind of things that get highlighted in her life. But, but her low points don't define her. They only make her more real and relatable to us. And that's why she's actually exalted in, in the scriptures to come we all have, have low points in our life that we wish never happened. But they only define us if we choose to let them define us. For, for the gospel Christian, your low points never have to define you, but can only actually remind you That the only way you became a child of God is by gracious adoption. Not because you were the best kid in the orphanage. If if you've let your low points define you, let me encourage you with, with what the Bible says later about Sarah. This is from Isaiah chapter 51. Listen to me you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him that I might bless him and multiply him. So Isaiah doesn't say... Forget, forget about Sarah. She, she messed up spectacularly. No, look, look to Abraham. Look to Sarah. She, she may have messed up, but she kept moving forward in faith. Now listen to what the New Testament says about her. This is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So Sarah here is is raised up as as a model woman, right? A, A woman that other women should follow. Her true beauty, we're told, was... Not just external, it was internal. Right? The kind of beauty that that never fades. She has a gentle and quiet spirit. Now that, that may sound that may sound demeaning if you're if you're a woman, but but gentle, gentle has the meaning of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's own self-importance. Jesus was gentle. He defines himself in that way. I am gentle and lowly in heart, he says. So a gentle and quiet spirit. Quiet, what about that? That doesn't mean women don't talk, okay? If you've you've heard that, I'm sorry that you heard that. Because that's not true. Having a a quiet spirit is, is not equated to having a quiet mouth. It may at times. But Sarah was actually vocal, quite vocal. Remember, You remember when she confronted Abraham about, about Hagar and Ishmael saying, they, they have to go. And she, because she, she was concerned for Isaac. Isaac was the promised child. Isaac was the heir that God had chosen. And having this firstborn around would impede that. And it turns out she was right. God said to Abraham, listen to Sarah. You see, quiet can have the idea of well-ordered. So a quiet spirit is not one that's chaotic, but instead is trusting and confident That is the idea behind true biblical submission. We we are to be trusting toward the God-ordained leadership structures that he's given by by being humble and helpful, not silent and subservient. Sarah was an amazing woman of God who is exalted In the Bible. So how does Abraham handle her death? Such an amazing woman is now no longer with her, with him. It's got to be the most difficult loss in his life. I think that's true for for anyone who's who's been married and loses a spouse. The only way he can handle it is with hope, with hope. Just like how Sarah was not defined by her mistakes, but by her hope in God, so too Abraham handles her death with hope in God. You see, we we all have to prepare for the losses in life. And only a growing hope in God can really prepare us for that. So let's see how we can build hope in God. Let's see what hope looks like in a life. Let's find out how hope can define you. We're going to look at two things from our text this morning first of all hope and grief hope and grief and then second the characteristics of hope okay so only two things so first hope and grief right abraham's abraham's hope is is not stoic it's not void of emotion listen to genesis twenty three, one and two. Sarah lived one hundred and twenty seven years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kirath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So Abraham is is a man of hope and he grieves he grieves at his loss you see hope and grief are compatible L- listen to these words from the apostle paul from 1thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that's just that just means those who are dead that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Right? So, so, the thing I want you to see there is that this verse is assuming that you will grieve as a Christian. And that's okay. Abraham went in to mourn, it tells us. Right? He, he enters into mourning. It's, it's not a process with stages but a state we enter into many people think to enter into grief means that you have no hope or that or that perhaps you're you're just a weak christian but nothing could be further from the truth there are many among us right now who are grieving and and i want to tell you if if you are grieving right now over over something, you are normal, you're normal, and it's okay. Grief is normal in a broken world. We we clearly see this when the Lord Jesus Christ was was brought to the tomb of his friend Lazarus who died. There we have the, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Th- there was no person more hopeful than Jesus. Yet he wept over Lazarus' death. Even though he knew he went there to actually raise him up from that grave. But even though we do grieve, we don't grieve like those who have no hope real hope listen to psalm 34 verse 18 the lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit we we know that with the lord we will not remain in this broken grieving state indefinitely the Lord Jesus confirms this in his sermon on the mount when he when he tells us blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So it's normal to be in states of mourning and to still be considered blessed. That's because we receive comfort from the one who saves us and is near us with an everlasting love. But do you know how a loss in your life can keep you broken-hearted and crushed? It can happen if, if what you are grieving has your whole heart, right? If you find your primary identity or your greatest treasure in whatever it is that you lost, you will not be in the position to receive the comfort that you desire. You will remain brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. When our primary identity is in being a child of God through Jesus Christ, we remember we have a father who is, who is near us when we are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit, he, and he can comfort us like no one else. We can receive a peace that passes all understanding. Let's look at the next point, the characteristics of hope. A hope in God moves us toward a position of praise. I'm reminded of one of my favorite verses in the Psalms. It's Psalm 42, 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God for I shall again praise you, my salvation and my God." There there are things in life that cast us down and put us into internal angst, but God is the eternal constant, right? He has always existed and always will exist. He, He never changes. He's always the same. So if we are God's children, we have an unshakable, immovable hope in him. Further, his, his love for us is not based on how good we measure up to him. We can, we can never measure up to God, and, and that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have hope. Hope not in ourselves, but in the perfect son who gave himself for us. Our, our text shows us that the believer's hope is characterized in, in three ways. So I've got three subpoints. So maybe I lied a little bit about the two points. Here's the characteristics of hope. How you view yourself, secondly, not going back, and thirdly, investing in the promises. How you view yourself, not going back, and investing in the promises. So let's look at these three things in Abraham's life after the death of his beloved wife. So first, how you view yourself. In verse 4, Abraham describes himself as a sojourner and a foreigner in the land. He's always been so, but this is the first time that he verbalizes it. A sojourner, or your Bible might say stranger, has the idea of being a temporary resident. So Abraham was was a temporary resident in the land that was not his permanent home. Remember, God had promised the land to Abraham's descendants. But it, it it actually wouldn't be till the fourth generation that they would actually that they would actually go into it and take possession of it. So Abraham knew he would not possess the land, but but he lived, he lived for the future. And that's why he buys this plot of land from the Hittites. But Abraham was not just living for the next generations. Hebrews eleven nine 9 to 10 says this. By faith, he, that's Abraham, went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God." There, there is a perfect dwelling place. Perfect because it's designed and built by God that is described as having firm foundations, right? Rock solid. And that's, that's what we all need. A firm foundation. To build your life on anything else is potentially going to cause catastrophe and that is why hope in god is so powerful because it has certainty it has real certainty it it's like when you're you know thinking about your vacation you you only really have that solid hope in your vacation when your tickets are booked right and and the and the hotel and and rental car are reserved. Before that, you you may still have hope, but it doesn't have the same weight. The, the, The certainty isn't there yet. With Christ, that certainty is there. With hope in God, that certainty is there. It's, it's as good as if your tickets are booked and your reservations are made. Let me, let me skip down a few verses in Hebrews 11 to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So so this is reflective of the Christian life. We, We don't have the reality of the promises yet. But we see them, and we greet them from afar, knowing that they are for certain coming to us. In the meantime we don't settle in too cozy right now but instead live like strangers or exiles we we have a home but we're not home yet that's that's the mentality we have to have if we're going to have a, a firm hope in Christ. We, we can't build our firm hope in the things of this world alone. Let's look at that second point. Not going back. Not going back. Look what Abraham does here. He, he goes to the Hittites to try to buy property for a family grave. So it's, it's clear he's not going back. He is not going back to Haran. He's not going back to Ur, even though that's, that's his origin. He, he's left them behind, and he sets his eyes toward the land God has promised him. When we become a Christian through faith in Christ, we become new, and God begins his work of renewal. We are to put the old away because there's a manner of life that is worthy to God and we are to walk in that new way. It's it's okay to look back as a Christian because we want to learn from our past, but we don't want to live there. We don't want to live there. We need to move in the direction that God has given us to go. This this was a huge issue for Abraham's future generations when they were delivered out of the slavery of Egypt in the Exodus. It was was hard moving forward. They they were in the wilderness. There was a lot of uncertainty. There's lots of uncertainty in the wilderness. Where am I gonna get the water? Where am I gonna get the food? It was hard for them to keep moving forward so they kept looking back and then desiring to go back, back to Egypt, back to slavery and that got them into all sorts of trouble. It it just reminds me that life is is not easy as a gospel-believing Christian, it's not but it's it's worth it because the promises that lie ahead if we continue to endure and move forward in faith are exceedingly greater than we could ever have here in this life alone. If if you find yourself stuck in the past, you may just need to, to clean your windshield a little bit by getting into... God's word a little bit more. I have to do it on a daily basis. If I don't, my windshield gets dirty. And I don't see clearly what's ahead. The promises of God. The hope in God. The third way that hope manifests itself in the life of Abraham is is how he invests in the promises. So Abraham wants to buy a burial ground. He is offered use of the Hittite tombs at no charge, but he doesn't want that. He he doesn't want that. He wants to buy it because he believes that one day his future family line will possess it all. He's exercising his hope in God's promises. So Abraham buys a field with a cave on it from a Hittite named Ephron. Abraham actually gets upsold here. He just, he just wanted to buy the cave. But Ephraim pretty much said in, in their very polite and eloquent way, the field comes with the cave. So Abraham agrees to buy the field, and he asks for a price. I love how they go back and forth with this, and it's, it's, it's just so, I mean, it's so respectable as well. Uh, but you can, you can kind of tell, you've got, you got to kind of read between the lines here a little bit with this. All right, there, There's some shrewdness going on here with the Hittites. My Lord, listen to me, he says in, in verse 15 of Genesis 23. My Lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver? What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Buy it. This is a deal. So Abraham weighs out the silver, you know, according to the, you know, the merchant's weights at that particular time, and, the, and he buys it. You know, we, we don't know if 400 shekels of silver is, is a fair price or not. It, maybe it's on the inflated side. But what we do know, that in a time when bartering was common, Abraham does none. Why? Abraham's a shrewd guy. Why doesn't he barter? Well, in a time when property was passed from one generation to the next and kept within the the family line, so Hittite property remains Hittite property. And so for Abraham to buy property as a foreigner was risky because there, there's no deeds or, or legal contracts to sign and put on file at the courts. So, so here, here's what he does. He pays full asking price so he can claim, so that, so that no claim can be made that he somehow cheated someone out of their, out of their family land. And he does this at the city gates where business was done and where witnesses were present. Right? This, this, is where, this is where business happened. This is where law happened, right at the city gates. So what is Abraham doing here? Abraham is investing in the future as told by God by purchasing this burial plot at full asking price. He's willing to spend his money in the direction that God is pointing because that's where his hope is. His hope is in God. That, That is the characteristic of hope in God going in the direction that God has pointed with your God given resources. Hope in God is what should define the gospel-believing Christian. Does it define you? Keep taking steps of hope in that direction. And if you are not praising God now, you will for certain praise him one day soon. Let's pray. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Father, help us to go in the direction that you are pointing us as gospel believing Christians. Even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, may we have a clear view of the great promises that are ahead for those who trust in Christ. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.